Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I am a yoga teacher with many years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is to show you how to get confident, speak clearly, feel authentic, grow your impact, earn your worth, and build a community. For years, I've been working with teachers in my signature program, the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program, and I've seen so many teachers transform, and I can help you get there too. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. In addition to the podcast, don't forget to also follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. My name is Karen Fabian, and I am the host of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Here we are on episode 211, and it's so nice to talk to you. And of course, I know you can't talk back because it's not an actual conversation, it's recorded. However, I always like to frame these episodes like a conversation as if it were me and you, and we were just having tea, sitting in a coffee shop or sitting in the yoga studio after class, having a conversation about topics, thoughts, uh, insights that are meaningful to yoga teachers. So I really try to make a conscious effort to have this be a relational thing between me and you. And I hope that you certainly feel that energetically as you listen to the episodes and as you're doing whatever it is you're doing when you listen to the episodes. I know I'm typically walking outside or more often than not driving in my car when I listen to podcasts. So maybe you're doing the same. So uh, here we are, episode 211. I'm recording this on Thursday, October 27th, and you will be hearing this on or after October 31st, 2022, which is October 31st is Halloween. I am not a big Halloween person. Are you a big Halloween person? Like someone who dresses up or, I mean, I certainly think if you have children, it's a different thing. Um, I don't have kids, but I've worked with kids for a long time. So I know they love Halloween. And um, I remember last year because we, uh, it was our first Halloween in um, our new place uh, and it was still COVID times we only had one person come, the kid that lived across the street. So this year, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing a lot more kids. And uh, if you live in a neighborhood with a lot of little ones, I hope you see them too, because it's always really, really fun. I think kids just naturally have this curiosity and this openness and this willingness and this fun spirit. And, and we sort of lose that, don't we, as we get older? And I, I don't know about, you know, kind of I mean, certainly there are reasons for that, but, you know, I always, one of the things I love about teaching kids is that it connects me. It's like putting a plug in an outlet. It kind of connects me to that source, that source of curiosity and openness and no fear and fun and creativity and exploration. I'm actually going to be kicking off a series of, uh, I believe it's eight classes starting in um, November 
uh, at a private school in Boston, and there'll be two classes. One will be for younger kids. I believe they're around four to six, and the other one will be for older kids. And I'm really looking forward to it. I, you know, taught regularly for a long time, uh, children, mostly preschoolers. And as soon as COVID lockdowns began, I just lost all those classes and I have not taught live kids classes since. So I'm really looking forward to getting back to it. So um, that'll be once a week starting at the end of November. So I'm sure I'll have some fun stories to share with you. So I, I definitely have a theme for today's uh, conversation and it's about transforming as a yoga teacher. Um, and I'm sort of hesitant to even take a tangent from that, but I really want to share one particular quick story that comes out of a coaching call I had this week. And if uh, the yoga teacher is listening, she's probably going to recognize the story. I won't share her name, so we'll kind of keep it between us. Um, however, the revelations that she was having and the courage that she had in sharing what she was sharing um, and the insight that she had was really transformative for me as a coach to listen to it and be part of that conversation. And I want to share that with you, you know, and the other reason I want to share it with you is because this is the kind of work that can really only happen when you're working with a coach. It's not typically the kind of thing that's going to happen in a group training. It's not typically the kind of thing it's ever going to happen uh, to you when you are just thinking through these things on your own. It's through the interaction with a coach that uh, a mentor, senior teacher, whatever you want to call it, whatever label you want to put on it, it's in working with that person that the revelations come forth. And in that coming forth lies the transformation. And, you know, transformation, I guess, is a little bit of an overused term. You can think of it as shifting, shifting from one way of being to another, shifting from one way of thinking to another, shifting from one rigid belief to loosening your attachment to that belief. And in that loosening comes um, uh, not even acceptance, comes an appreciation and acknowledgement of another way. And that's oftentimes, you know, if we just frame this from the perspective of being a yoga teacher, that's oftentimes where so much of our fear, so much of our feelings of lack of confidence, our stress comes from. It comes from uh, an inability or even an unwillingness to see beyond our own way of thinking. And that's, I can certainly say for myself, when I've worked with coaches, that's something that I could only have gained by working with someone else. Because otherwise you're just sort of circling the drain in your own way of thinking. And that's kind of what got you where you are, right? So you need something to break free of that. So in the conversation I was having with this teacher, we were talking about stress stress when teaching. And you could talk about that, maybe you could frame it as fears or concerns or worries or nervous knots, whatever it is. And I was nudging her, I was really pushing her to drill down into talking about what are the stressors you have when you are teaching. And we were basically trying to whittle away at these so that we were left with just pure energy, pure positivity, um, pure focus on uh, teaching and on the things that you can control. And that's a really important point because, you know, when we start thinking about all these things that we don't have control over, like, are they going to like my class? Are they safe? Are they feeling like this is hard enough? Are they engaged? You know, when we start to think about all these things that we don't have control over, 
it adds to our stress level and yet doesn't give us any avenue to have an impact on that directly because we don't control how people think. We don't control how people experience us. All we can control is how we show up, the preparation we do, and to put our best foot forward. And so that's really that was really the overall theme of the conversation I was having with this teacher because we were talking about stress when teaching. And so one particular point of concern had to do with, are people going to get hurt? And conversations from students or comments from students around, oh, that felt uncomfortable or, oh, that didn't feel good. Or the whole, you know, myriad of, little snippets of words and phrases that people might say to you before class, after class, probably not before class, after class, during class, you know, around, oh, that doesn't feel good in the body. And, and if your reaction immediately becomes, oh my God, I hope I didn't do something, or I hope I didn't teach this person or offer this person a posture that caused an injury, you know, that causality, this is what I want to talk to you about, because if in the least you are believing that you're teaching a yoga class causes someone's injury, I want this is an exact type of example where we can where I really believe I have an obligation to loosen your attachment to that thought. Now, let's start out with if we have two ends of the spectrum, let's start out with one end of the spectrum. You teach a yoga class, someone walks into class and they're fine. And then when they leave, they're not fine. And that could be something that they notice immediately. It could be something that they find out the next day when they wake up or a couple of days later when they go to the doctor because they have whatever the issue is, pain, discomfort, whatever it is. And they relate it back to that yoga class I took. Now. Even in that situation, were you personally the cause of that person's injury? You were not. You did not force that person to do that pose. You did not um, you know, stand over that person and make that person do the posture in any particular way, nor did you have any information about the condition of that student prior to coming to your class. And there's a whole other list of variables we could go into. So that's one end of the spectrum, okay? So I hope looking at that end of the spectrum helps you to see that there is very little causality between what you are offering people and their reaction to it, even if their reaction includes an injury. Now, I will make an exception for a whole potential host of scenarios where you as a teacher are knowingly or unknowingly offering poses in a way that is potentially risky to students. And that's even kind of a slippery slope to go down because what's risky for student A is not risky for student B and on and on and on. However, there are probably, and I can't think of a whole bunch of them, quite honestly, I could only think of maybe one or two. There are probably a number of scenarios that a reasonable person would agree. And I sort of sound like a lawyer here. I'm not, obviously. But that a reasonable person would agree are not wise to offer people. 
And I'm going to throw out one that actually is done in classes, I'm sure, all around the world, and certainly classes that I've been to in the 15, 16 years that I've been practicing yoga. And that is, let's all come up into handstand in a group class, not with a wall in front of you. In other words, everybody's out there, wherever they are, wherever their yoga mat is in the studio, and we have people kicking up to handstand. Unless it is a small group, unless it is a practice group, unless each person has an assistant, and even then, probably not wise. And you could make a case for, even in that scenario, it's up to the student if they choose to do it. And if they get injured, it wasn't that particular thing that did it. Although what if they do have an injury that's directly causally related? Like they go to jump up into the handstand and they fall flat on their back and they can't stop themselves. That's pretty causally related, right? So, you know, short of that, or maybe something like bringing people into wheel pose and asking them to lift their hands off the floor so they're completely on their cervical spine, you know, like really just things that are clearly potentially injurious, potentially going to create an injury, even if you don't know the condition of the student, everything else is sort of fair game in my view. And so this does not mean we throw up our hands in the air and we just say, oh, great. So now I can do anything I want and I don't have to worry about people getting hurt. No, it does not mean that. What I'm trying to do is loosen if you have this attachment to this concept of, I wanna teach safe classes. I wanna be sure my students don't get hurt. I'm worried my students will get hurt. I'm worried that, um, I don't know, well, let's just keep it at that, right? They're all kind of in the same bucket. So I really, I'm sort of, I don't even think I'm sort of going to an extreme, but I'm, I'm getting, as you can tell by the tone and the pace and the volume of my voice, I'm getting really um, amped up about this because this is an ongoing narrative I hear all the time and why are teachers worried about safety from the perspective of I'm going to teach something and they're going to maybe get hurt. And I'm going to give you one of my theories. When you don't understand movement, when you don't understand anatomy, all you really have is that fear because you don't understand what's going on in the body and what the risk factors are and how to regress something or how to progress something, i.e. make it harder. You don't understand what an accessible class is, meaning postures that are accessible, how to make them accessible, fundamental concepts of movement, concepts related to the body's relationship to gravity, concepts related to range of motion of joints. This is all in the detail of learning movement. It's not that we're learning it for some pie in the sky goal of just knowing all this stuff. It's to understand it for the exact squelching of probably one of the concerns and worries and stressors and fears that you have as a teacher, which is I don't want people to get hurt. That to me, when I hear yoga teachers say that, basically is saying, I don't understand movement. 
And honestly, I am not shaming anybody. What I want you to understand is that in what I, what I want you to hear, what I want to be able to convey to you is that in doing the work of learning about anatomy, understanding movement, that fear around people getting hurt will decrease rapidly and then won't even be a concern because you will be in your confidence when you are teaching to the point that you know what you're offering is sound. And you also have an appreciation for all that is unknown, for all that is unknown about the people in your class. It is when teachers don't understand anatomy that they wanna know all this stuff that they have no control over. Like the teachers that say to people when they come into class and everybody's seated, does anybody have any injuries? I promise you in those small exchanges, it gives, let's put it in the frame of mind of me. It gives me nothing that I can really do for that person to help them because now they're in the group. I can't have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them. I can't really get to a level of understanding about how their movement is impacted in any way that gives me enough information to really be able to help them. Because number one, to do that takes up everybody's time and nobody else there cares about this person's issue. I mean, yeah, they care, but not to the point that they want the class start to be delayed. Number two, if someone really has an injury or a concern, they need to tell you before they start to take class versus waiting for your open-ended question at the beginning, does anybody have any injuries? And lastly, understand that asking that question does not mean that your answer makes it all good. Oh, okay, well now you've told me, so now I'm holding the bag here. Now you've told me what your injury is. Now I'm going to tell you what you should and should not do. And that sprinkles fairy dust over it and makes it all good and you're never gonna get hurt. No, that doesn't, it doesn't do anything like that. So I hope that you can see that none of these actions decreases the person's risk of injury. None of them. And it's in our understanding of anatomy that we appreciate the risk, the variability, the potentiality of injury. And yet at the same time, we appreciate that because of the nature of what we're doing, i.e. teaching a whole bunch of people a movement-based practice where we don't know really anything about their bodies, it gives us that, that appreciation that it might still happen and it's not our fault, okay? So I wanted to start with that, you know, that, that could be a whole other conversation. Like we could go into this more. However, I do have another topic I want to get into. I hope though, with that bit, if you, the listener had concerns or have concerns about people getting hurt in your classes, or if you ever use the phrase teaching safe classes, I mean, I want, I want to say that 
even the use of that phrase is really detrimental to yoga as a practice because it implies that there's safe yoga and not safe yoga and it it stokes fear in the part of the student i would much rather have verbiage around teaching classes that are really accessible for anybody at any level to do teaching functional movement teaching classes that emphasize good range of motion in the joints teaching classes that emphasize building strength and flexibility you know those are all phrases and terms that help the person see the benefit and also um doesn't stoke the fear because as soon as the fear is stoked around safe or unsafe again you're on the hook now all of a sudden it's like up to you well don't worry when you come to my classes they're safe you can never say that because you just let this is back to what you can control this is just not something you can control so phew <laughs> I really went off on a on a tear there. So I'd love to know what you think about this, especially if you're listening and you're having any reactions that are really strong, like, oh my God, she doesn't know what the F she's talking about or anything beyond that. I wanna hear from you. So get in touch with me, send me a DM on Instagram and um, or an email and let's talk. So for today's episode, I wanna take, um, I want to go into a conversation around transformation because honestly, I feel like I'm making, I feel like I make way too much content that's how to related. You know, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you have ever heard of Gary Vaynerchuk. Vaynerchuk. Gary Vaynerchuk is probably in one of the upper echelons uh, from a content creation, media strategist, entrepreneurial um, industry leader. He's written a couple books. He actually has a really interesting origin story in that his he was born in Russia and he immigrated here with his parents and his parents, you know, had a couple hundred bucks and started a wine store in New Jersey. He ended up um, working for his father's business for many years. And because of his uh, skill in understanding uh, marketing and leveraging technology, he was able to build his father's wine business into like a multi-million dollar business with which he then took over. And then he just parlayed that into a whole bunch of different areas around content creation, entrepreneurship, mentorship, um, media strategies, marketing strategies, and he has a whole enterprise now where he works with other companies to do it. And, um, and, oh goodness, I forgot my train of thought. Oh, hang on a second. Oh, and one of the things that Gary Vaynerchuk is, they call him Gary V. Uh, Gary V is known for is not doing a lot of how-to content. And it took me a little while to kind of get on the bandwagon and understanding not only why that was, but really watching his content. And actually, now that I think about it, TikTok's not feeding me a lot of Gary Vee stuff. The algorithm is just so weird. <laughs> um, but in watching his videos, he really speaks almost exclusively to mindset. And it's based on this idea that, you know, when there's a whole bunch of how-to content, 
um, people consume how-to content, and we're talking about primarily podcasts via the platforms of podcasts, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Let's just stick with those platforms. YouTube and YouTube. Uh, and FYI, did you know out of all those platforms, YouTube is the most watched even over Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I find that amazing. Anyway, so um, the, the idea being that so much how-to content can sort of lull us into thinking that we're actually learning, learning in a way that allows us to get where we want to go. And I, first of all, love doing how-to content. <laughs> if you look at my Instagram today and scroll back over the past many months, if not really all of it, but really the past year or so, it's almost exclusively how-to content. I'm almost always in my yoga studio. I'm almost always in yoga clothes. I'm almost always in the same scenario with the skeleton teaching something related to teaching a pose or anatomy. You know, I'm in that how-to sharing a lesson mode. However, here's the really tricky thing about consuming how-to content. First of all, for me, that's my, that's my, that's my jam. That's my zone, right? I can do how-to content with my eyes closed forever. However, what I know about how-to content when you are consuming it, and believe me, you know, I love when people email me and they say, I love your Instagram. I love your TikTok. I love your videos. I'm, you know, I really, I really like watching them. That's great. And I love that. However, if my content doesn't motivate you, inspire you to do the things you want to do as a teacher, to take on the challenges that you either know or aren't even aware of yet that you need to take on in order to move forward. It's not good. It's no good. <laughs> it's no good for you to watch it because what it does is it lulls people into thinking they're moving forward. I want, I'm trying to think of a metaphor here. Imagine if you had some other situation, some other, not yoga, not as a yoga teacher, not yoga teaching as a topic, something else that you were interested in becoming. You wanted to, I mean, I guess losing weight might be a, an example, but I don't really want to go there because it's 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 not the right thing. It's not the right topic. Some some other way of being, let's say you you wanted to give up your, you, you wanted to shift your way of being around money. You wanted to have a healthier attitude around money, around spending money, around saving money, around making money, around managing your money. Let's say you, you just had a really bad relationship with money. You had a bunch of bills unpaid and all this kind of stuff. And let's say the way that you were going to address this was you were following a bunch of people on social media who were money managers and money experts. And I, I actually love these people on, on uh, TikTok and Instagram. I follow um, uh, a whole bunch of people that are into, um, I forget what the term is, but it's they cash out their checks and then they put their 
cash stuffing. That's what it's called. They put their money in different envelopes, one for savings and rent and this and that. They get ahead of the game in terms of paying their bills. It's just super cool. And it builds this great discipline around money. Anyway, so let's say you had these money issues and you were just following all these people on social media and you were getting this tip here and that tip there and this tip there. And you were, you know, just feeling like your brain was getting infused with all this good money related tip stuff all the time. But yet you were still sort of struggling with the same fundamental issues. And the reason for that is when you're trying to shift your way of being around whatever it is, being a better, more confident, I don't even want to say, being a more confident, impactful yoga teacher, having a better relationship with money, having a better relationship with your spouse, growing as a person, whatever it is, if you think you can get there just by consuming free content, never going to happen. Never going to happen. And this is not a roundabout way to sell you my program. What it is, is the hard truth that I can attest to as a consumer of social media and an investor in my own growth. So sure, I can only speak from my own experience in saying it is only when I have invested in a program, a coach, a coach in a program, a neuroscience coach, that I have seen the transformations that I've wanted. It's never come from just watching their social media. Hell no. Has that inspired me? Hell yes. Has that changed me? Absolutely not. Because it's like, it's like if I wanted to bake a cake that I had never cooked before, and I went out into the social media world and I pulled 20 different videos about it, it's going to be really hard for me to bake that cake. However, if I just go to the source of the one person, the Martha Stewart, and pull out her recipe and follow that recipe, I'm good. I can make that cake. This is the same thing. The recipe of the cake is the program, is the faster way to get from A to Z. And that's the other variable I want you to really hear is the speed factor. And we're going to talk about in this episode here, one of the things that I hear from yoga teachers all the time, I will do that. I should do that. All of those phrases are future looking. And when we think about getting where we want to go, wouldn't it be freaking amazing if we could get there faster? And I'm not saying we're, you know, cutting corners. I'm just saying getting where you want to go faster and with less stress because you're following a recipe. It always amazes me that teachers are just like, oh, I'll figure it out on my own. Oh, I'll take my time. Oh, I can do that later. Like, yeah, you can. But do you see the connection? The connection between where you are now and where you want to be and all those things that you're saying are just delaying you getting where you want to be. So if you had a way to get there faster, 
would you want to do that? Right? So that's part of, you know, I actually think for the next couple of weeks, and it's going to be hard for me, but I'm really interested in sort of pushing myself to not do any how-to content on Instagram and TikTok and really speak to way of being, speak to mindset, speak to transformation, speak to change. And you know what? If people don't like that, I'm not the teacher for them. Because that is part of what I know makes positive change. So that's the first part of this conversation. So that sort of sets the stage. And you might be thinking as you listen to this, well, I don't know, Karen, transformation just sounds sort of new agey and overused and everybody's talking about transformation. What are you really talking about here? Well, I'm going to tell you. Because again, along with all of the how-to content I've been creating, I've also been really focusing on my communication of how, when I work with teachers, how, when I coach teachers, when teachers are in my Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program, the skills that they gain. Because for the past like year or so, I've really been thinking, that's what teachers want to hear. They want to hear the skills they're going to get. And I know what those are. And at the same time, um, I also know that for me, a bigger draw when I look at an opportunity, like a program or a coach or something, a bigger draw for me it's less about the skills and it's more about the shift. What kind of shift am I going to be able to make? Like, I'll give you a perfect example. I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, the Rich Roll, Rich Roll podcast the other day. And he was talking about, he's an endurance athlete. And he was talking about this endurance experience that he did several years ago. And yes, he of course wanted the physical challenge of the experience. It was a triathlon, but it was more about the experience and the transformation that he knew he was going to experience because he talked to a whole bunch of people who'd done that triathlon and they had these like amazing revelations that they came to about themselves, about their capabilities, about what they're made of as a result of doing that triathlon, competing in that and completing that triathlon. Plus it was in this really cool place. I want to say like Norway or something. So there was like all of the, you know, environmental things and just the experience of being this other country and just all of it. So when I was hearing him say this on the show the other day, I was like, that's it. That's the transformation. He didn't sign up for that triathlon to get the hours, you know, like yoga teachers, like, I want to get the hours. How many hours? Hours-based program, 300 hours, 500 hours. You know what? Honest to God, hours don't speak to transformation. Hours are just hours. 
There are plenty of teachers that work with me that have 500 hours and are scared shitless when they teach. So hours don't mean anything in regards to that and don't guarantee you any kind of transformation. It's just checking the box. So for this whole idea of where you're going to get is in my mind more powerful than the skills. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Because if you've been to my TikTok, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, it, well, not my TikTok because the profile's shorter. But if you've been to my Instagram lately and you've noticed in my profile, um, my profile page has changed, you're right. Because I changed my profile to say exactly what I'm going to say to you today. Because my Instagram page is part of my my, my exposing myself to the world. And I want that messaging to be consistent with number one, what I'm going to share with you right now. And number two, what I want yoga teachers, what I want you to see is possible. Not just when you work with me, but just possible in terms of things that you can, ways of being that you can shift to that put you at cause, that empower you, that put you in a position where you have agency over what you're doing and how you're being. And you're also in the best position to make an impact on the people that you interact with, that you teach, that you talk to before class, that you talk to after class all of it. It's not just fluff. And that's what I mean by, yeah, we can say transformation and it sounds kind of fluffy, but when you boil it down to the things I'm going to share with you, these things are the meat on the bones. These are the things that in my view, these are the things that matter. Okay. So each one of these things speak to the transformation. Number one, getting confident, get confident. What does that mean? And how does it feel when you teach as a confident yoga teacher? First of all, you feel confident, right? It's, it's right there. What does it mean to feel confident? It means what I was saying before. It means you know what you're going to say it's weighted appropriately. You're not worried about how it's going to come across. You don't worry about how people are going to interpret it. And at the same time, you appreciate they might not interpret it correctly. Being confident means you can state something and at the same time appreciate that it might be interpreted differently. Being confident means you're not worried about being right. You're not there to say this is the only way. Being confident means you're able to help people. It means that you're confident that your approach is sound, right? It's also being able to appreciate what you don't know and what you don't have control over. And it feels amazing. It feels effortless. It feels weightless. It feels empowering. It feels clear. It feels purposeful. That is what 
the transformation from a nervous teacher, a teacher who lacks confidence, a teacher who's fearful, a teacher who's worried, to one who is confident. That's what you get. The next thing is to speak clearly. Speaking clearly is what I'm doing right now. I don't have a script. I don't write out the words for this. I give myself a couple of notes and the rest just comes. The pace, the word choice, the, the slowing things down, the speeding things up, the tone, the volume, the energy, speaking clearly. Speaking clearly comes from not only understanding your vocal quality, but believing what you're saying and not in a way that you're just blowing smoke up your own ass. It's believing what you're saying because it's through lived experience, because it's through failing, because it's through succeeding, because it's through experience, trying it, putting yourself out there. Perfect example. <laughs> I got this really weird comment the other day about something about my social media. And, you know, my first thought was until you're out there in the arena, your opinion doesn't matter. And that comes from Brene Brown. Because all these, you know, comments that people get on the internet, if the person giving the comment isn't out there with their own Instagram page, making videos every freaking day, it, it doesn't matter. And additionally, even if they were, it still doesn't matter because the clarity of speech, the clarity of what you say comes from the confidence, comes from the experience, comes from knowing what you can control. I can't control what other people think. <laughs> I can't control if they like me, if they like my classes, if they think my classes are good, if they like my program, if they want to sign up for my program, if they want to work with me. I can't control that directly. However, there's a lot of things I can do to put my best foot forward, to have influence, to change people's opinions. I can, you know, impact that, but ultimately everybody has agency over their own decisions, especially when it comes to social media comment. So, and that's not a hurtful thing or a mean thing. Like I don't take that kind of thing as a, as a mean spirited thing. I just, it's just feedback. So great. So again, speaking clearly speaking clearly. So feeling confident, speaking clearly. The next one is, oh, and speaking clearly. How do you feel when you speak clearly? You feel amazing because the words just come. There's no grief or angst or stuttering or worrying or halting speech. There's none of that. They just come. And so it feels amazing. You feel like you are purposeful and intentional in what you're saying. And you know that what you're saying is connected to what you know. And this for yoga teachers is key. This was the topic of conversation when I did the workshops last week. 
And this is what I always say when I talk about understanding the why behind the cue. Teaching from repeating is disempowering. Teaching from what you know builds confidence. I can't say that enough times. And yes, when you begin as a yoga teacher, you're probably teaching from repeating. However, when I coach teachers, I don't teach them to repeat, even when they're new. I coach them to teach from action because any new yoga teacher knows action and you can teach from action as you learn anatomy. So when you speak clearly and you speak from what you know, you feel freaking amazing. You feel like you're making an impact. Okay, so the third one, feel authentic, right? So getting confident, speaking clearly, feeling authentic. These are pieces of a transformation for a yoga teacher. What does feeling authentic feel like? It means you don't feel fake. I watched a video uh, a couple of days ago. I did a yoga class with someone who trained with the same person that I trained with. That person was trying to be like the person that we both trained with. The tone, the jokes, everything was almost exactly the same. And, you know, this is a teacher who's been out there for a while. So, you know, to the extent that you can say, well, when you're a new teacher, maybe you sound a lot like your mentor. Yeah, but not telling the same jokes. Like that's too much. Like people see that, they hear that, they see through that. And it robs them of getting to know you, your jokes, your way of being your interpretation of things, your vocal quality, your pace, right? All of that. So feeling authentic feels like you. You feel comfortable in your own skin. You're not nervous that people are looking at you. You confidently stand in front of the room and eyes are on you and you don't worry. You don't, um, feeling authentic means you love the classes that you teach and at the same time, you know, other teachers are teaching and maybe they even have more people in their classes and it still doesn't matter because you know you are being authentic. I pretty much have that. You know, I haven't taught live classes regularly since the COVID lockdowns. I can say though, for the most part, in most of the studios that I taught in, when I would go, there would be more people in some of these other classes. Now, did I take that to heart and make that about me and say, that teacher's better than me? No. First of all, it could be just the time they taught was more popular than the time I taught. And whatever it is, it didn't matter because I knew that the way I was teaching and the way I teach is authentic to me. And I want people to come take my classes where, where my way of teaching resonates with them. The last thing I want to do is try to be like somebody else. You can't carry that torch for very long. So feeling authentic is believing in yourself. Feeling authentic feels comfortable. It's effortless. It doesn't take any effort to do it. 
it takes a lot of effort to be like somebody else. I mean, geez, all you have to do is scroll through Instagram and you see that. So feeling authentic. Next one, grow your impact. When you transform as a yoga teacher, you will grow your impact. Does that mean you're going to make a million bucks? I don't know. Does that mean you're going to have a million followers on Instagram and TikTok? I don't know. But does it mean that you're going to start to see changes in the people that you work with? Yes. Does it mean that you're going to share cues with people and they're going to come up to you after class and go, oh my God, I can't believe when you said that I totally got that pose for the first time ever. Yes, that's impact. Does it mean you're going to start to see the same people in your classes over and over again because they like your class? Yes, that's impact. Does it mean you're going to be sought out to teach more classes or whatever? I don't know, maybe, but probably. All of that is impact. Does it mean that you will, through this feedback loop, get even more confident and maybe look for more opportunities to teach where you could grow your impact because you're just out there more? Yes. So, you know, again, even if you have a full-time job, you know, people say to me, oh, I have a full-time job. My yoga is just a side gig. I get it. But don't make it like the ugly stepchild. You can have a full-time job and have a kick-ass yoga career, even if you're just teaching one class a week. And even if that class is just people in your neighborhood. You know, I think there's like so much stuff out there that people are like under this guise that, oh, I have to be a full-time teacher. Or I have to teach in students. No, none of that is true. You can have your full-time career, have your whatever it is, job, or you're leading your family, whatever it is, and teach yoga and have all these transformational components that I'm talking about now. So all of that is impact. There's two more. Next one, earn your worth. Earn your worth. I want to scream this from the, mount, from the mountaintops. You know, in in our yoga careers, there will be different reasons we make decisions about what we accept as a rate of pay for a class. However, we as yoga teachers, you and me, we absolutely should know what our worth is in dollars or euros, whatever your method of currency is. Because it's one thing to say, my hourly rate is $150 an hour to teach yoga. And it's a completely other thing to say, and I'm willing to negotiate with you because blah, blah, blah. And that may mean negotiate up or negotiate down. However, you still in that conversation know your worth. So knowing that, and when I say worth, the tangible illustration of worth is what your rate is, what someone will pay you for, for teaching. And there's also your worth. What are you worth, <laughs> right? As a teacher, what value do you bring beyond what you are paid? So it's two-pronged. And then that second prong is multiple prongs. So number one, you've got to know what your rate is. Do you know what your rate is? Like if I met you right now on the street and said, I want you to come teach a private for me, how much do you charge? Would you confidently, clearly state that? 
just right out of the gate? Or would you go, oh God, you know what? I have to go back and look. Can you, can you email me? Can I get back to you? I'm not really sure, right? None of that is acceptable. So if you don't know your rate right now, I am tasking you to know it. And if you don't know how to figure it out, you should, I wish you would DM me, email me, and we'll get on the phone for 15 minutes and we'll figure out what your rate is. Because number one, you never want to be caught not being able to clearly state and confidently state your rate when opportunities come up. And number two, part of knowing your worth is knowing what you charge and confidently stating that. Okay, so earning your worth means sometimes saying no, right? Saying no to opportunities. Over the years, I've had opportunities to teach and the rate was well below my rate. And that's not disparaging to them. I don't know what factors go into them offering me that rate. And that's not to say that those factors aren't valid. You know, one of the conversations I have with somebody, it was for a very large university in Massachusetts, in Boston, that has a lot of money. However, how that money is allocated, the exercise program didn't get a lot of the money. So what they were offering me to teach yoga there was well below my rate. And so I said, no. Now that's not judging them. It's just, it's just the reality of, you know, that person had no wiggle room to get more money, you know, for whatever reason within the university, even though I had a lot of money, yoga was just not high on their list. And that's fine. That's just not a good fit for me. However, over the years, I've taught a bunch of free stuff. For a number of years, I taught free classes on the Esplanade by the Charles River for families and adults. I did lots of free things for different charities, big brothers, big sisters, boys and girls clubs. And I did that because that was an important opportunity for me to get out and share yoga. And so it wasn't about the money. And in other situations, it's never really about the money, but in other situations, money is one of the factors. And, and more often than not, it is something that is part of the criteria for me. So knowing your worth, earning your worth, Right? Have you ever had a class where you're being underpaid and over time you dread it, you dread going, you resent it? Like you never want to be in that situation. You need to walk away. If you have that situation right now, you need to walk away from that class. If you're getting paid 20 or $30 an hour and you're driving 45 minutes each way, whatever it is, whatever the scenario is, you need to get out of that because it will eat away at your feeling of self-worth and you should not have that eat. I'd rather you not have that class and teach free classes on zoom to just keep up with the experience. I mean, I guess maybe not free classes, maybe charge for them, but honestly, I'd rather you not have that class at all than continue to drag yourself there for less than your worth. Okay. So earning your worth. And then the last one is building a community. And this is another thing where people go, oh, build a community. I'm just teaching on the side, or I'm not a big name person, or I'm new, or I don't live in a big, you know, in a town where there's a lot of yoga. None of that matters. 
Building a community could mean I teach one or two times a week in a small local studio when I get the same four or five people every class. That's a community. Like again, people, social media has completely F with our minds in terms of the scope of things, like what we think is possible. And again, if you're not thinking any of these things, more power to you. If you are, I really wanna just kind of present you with another point of view. You know, community is, you know, at the level of your neighbors, at the level of your, your physical community, the, the strip mall up the street from you, the studio down the road. Yes, it can be more than that, but it doesn't have to be more than that. So building a community comes when you shift your way of being as a teacher in all these ways. Why? Because people want to be around you. How does it feel? It feels amazing. It feels amazing to get to know people. It feels amazing to see. And you know what? Actually, a lot of the yoga teachers in my program, I actually am super inspired because they talk about the communities that they've built. So if you're listening to this and you're in the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program and you have a really good community you've built and you've talked to me about it, thumbs up to you. I hear you and I see you and I acknowledge you for that. And if this is something you want to do, know that in your transformation, building a community is possible and probable and will happen because of all the other things I said before. And it'll feel great. So the six things, pieces of transformation, get confident, speak clearly, feel authentic, grow your impact, earn your worth, build a community. So if someone said, how does that sound? And you said, great. And they said, okay, so you can watch my social media videos for the next 10 years and maybe you'll get like 20% of this. Or you can enroll in my program and in about 60 to 90 days, you'll be well on your way. What would you choose? Right? So again, like this is, this is kind of the fork in the road. And, and this is, this is not to sell you from a monetary standpoint. It's to share with you what is possible. And when you see what is possible, part and parcel with that is understanding that the transaction is part of the transformation, right? That's what my business coach says. The, tra the transformation is in the transaction, meaning that you're never going to transform until you put some money on the line. You can say that in a bunch of different ways. And, you know, that's part of, that's number one part of what I want to share. However, the, the bigger piece is, again, just kind of removing this from talking about me as a coach and the program I have. Let's just talk about it just generally. And you may listen to this and you may go off and be super inspired to enroll in someone else's program. And if listening to this episode inspired you to do that, that's awesome. My goal is just to get you unstuck. And even if you don't feel like you're stuck, my next goal is to get you to take action. My next goal is to get you to take action. And why? Well, this leads me to the last part of this podcast episode. Why I want you to take action is because way too many of the teachers I speak to aren't taking action. And you know how I know? 
because I know neurolinguistic programming. And neurolinguistic programming is in part the study of how language sort of betrays our beliefs. Now that's not a literal definition, but in a lot of ways, a lot of NLP gets at how what we say kind of opens the door. If the listener is someone like me who has an idea of different limiting beliefs that people have, what kind of limiting beliefs are there? So when you as a yoga teacher, and again, I don't mean to harp on you, right? So you may be listening to this and it may hit you in many different ways. When yoga teachers say things like, I should do this, I must do this, I need to do this, when I have the time, do you see how all of those statements are disempowering? Saying I should do this, why should you do this? Like, just ask yourself, anytime you say I should do this, I really should go get my hair cut. Why? Like, is the sky going to fall if you don't get your hair cut? No. And who needs that kind of pressure on themselves? Like, just look at how language, the language you choose, creates a certain energy around whatever it is that you're doing, or you think you should do, or whatever that activity is that you might do. So instead of saying, I should, how about saying, I can do this? Instead of saying, I must, how about saying, I'm excited to, dot, dot, dot. Instead of saying, I need to, how about, I can't wait to. Instead of saying, when I have more time, how about, I am so excited to, blah, blah, blah. Do you see how they're totally different? There's so many ways um, that you can frame statements in a more positive way so that your energy is so much more focused on moving forward versus what I hear from way too many teachers, energy focused on being stuck, staying in place, not moving forward, not transforming. And you know, honestly, it's not even about, oftentimes it's not even about money. It's not even about having an unwillingness to invest in transformation or invest in growth. What I really think it is, is a lack of seeing what the value is from that transformation or what becomes possible when you transform. And you know who is responsible on that score? Me. Because if I don't communicate with you what is possible for you as a teacher when you work with me, that's my fault. And that's why this episode is happening. And that's why I think this episode is so important. And again, it's not just about at the end of the day, enrolling in my program, it's just about moving you forward wherever that leads you to. And these kinds of conversations are not happening with teachers. They're just not because most yoga teachers are living in the content creation world, the how-to world. And there's so much how-to around yoga teaching that you can just stay there forever. But that's really not going to get you where you want to be. And the example I gave you before about teachers that enroll in my program that have 500 hours of training behind them, but they're still shit terrified every time they stand up in front of their class. That's a perfect example. So. 
just start listening to the words you use, to the phrases you use and see how many times you catch yourself using disempowering language and see if there's a more powerful way you can frame it where you're at cause, where you're the one doing things, right? The difference between when I have more time and I am excited too is completely opposite. I'm excited too puts me in control. It doesn't mean I'm excited to do it and I also have time to do it today, but it means, yes, I'm excited to do it and I'm going to do it in a week or I'm going to do it in tomorrow or I'm, or because I'm acknowledging that I'm excited to do it, I'm willing and I see the value in doing it instead of something else. Like the perfect example is instead of watching two hours of television, do some personal growth stuff, do some learning stuff, invest in your growth. And I know someone's going to listen to this and they're going to say, I don't watch any television. I don't have time to watch television. I bet there's something you're doing that you could give up. So, you know, let's not get, let's not go there. Right. And even still, I'm sure there's somebody listening to this that's going to say, I don't have a minute to myself. Hmm. Well, that's a whole other conversation then, right? Isn't it? Because honestly, if you're someone right now that's living a life where you don't have a minute to yourself, that's a whole other conversation. And I'm happy to have that conversation if you want. To just be a sounding board. Again, within my professional scope of practice as a yoga teacher and as a yoga mentor, I can have that conversation and still stay within my professional scope of practice because I'm certainly not offering you a therapy session. But I can have it because I understand time management. I understand um, different aspects of personal growth. I understand languaging. I understand self-limiting beliefs. And those are all things that I deal with when I work with teachers in my program. You know, it's not like they come and we just talk about yoga. When we get on the phone and do these Zoom coaching calls and they're like, oh my God, Karen, I'm so sorry. I haven't had any time this week to get to any of the videos. Well, that's where we have an opportunity. That's where I have an opportunity to say, okay, number one, stop and take a breath. It sounds like you feel pressure to quote unquote, get this program done. Why are you feeling pressure? Well, I feel pressure because I need to get this done. I want to get this done. Okay, stop. Why are you feeling like, again, so this is all the languaging. So this is where I have an opportunity as a coach to start to peel back the layers on where is all this pressure coming from? I mean, honestly, you would be amazed at how much we are doing as we go about our day. That's not even within our intentional control because we're just operating on autopilot. It's really freaking scary but you never will uncover it until you start working with somebody else that has experience in, in having these kinds of conversations because you can't see it. You can't see it. Someone else skilled in coaching can, and that's when things start to shift. And that's where the transformation becomes possible. So in wrapping up this conversation, I want to highlight 
One more time, the key aspects of transformation for yoga teachers, getting confident, speaking clearly, feeling authentic, growing your impact, earning your worth and building a community. And if you're listening to this and you feel like now is the time for you, if this conversation has inspired you to take action, I want you to enroll in my program and I want you to do it right now. And you can do it with a gift of 50% off when you just go to my website and you click the enroll now button and you use the code BLP, Blueprint Learning Program, BLP50. And that'll give you 50% off because this whole conversation, although it's not geared to having you work with me, it's geared to having you see what change is about I want to give you an opportunity to work with me if this has inspired you to do that. And I would not begrudge you that. And I wouldn't begrudge myself it either because in my work with teachers, I transform too. And it's my mission to work with as many teachers as possible. It's where I get joy. It's where I grow. So it just makes perfect sense to offer that. So I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. And I hope you'll share any thoughts uh, that you have. DM me, email me, and I can't wait to chat with you on the next episode of the podcast here. Thank you so, so much for listening. And I'll talk to you on the next one. Namaste. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode. And thank you so much for being part of my community and for spending some time with me here on the show. I wanted to wrap up this episode with just a quick note. I have a brand new recorded workshop page, and I'm really excited to offer you an opportunity to watch recorded workshops whenever you want. I have the first installment of a workshop on the page on the website, and it is a short workshop all about how to give effective cues. And so all you need to do to watch this free workshop is go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and you'll see the listing in the dropdown for recorded workshops. When you click that page, you'll see on that page, the link to sign up to watch that recorded workshop. I'll be adding more workshops in the future to this page. And it's a way that you can access educational and growth information for teachers without having to make a workshop at a particular time. I love to get together with teachers live, both in person and of course online, which is where I'm doing most of my interaction with teachers right now. However, I appreciate that sometimes people can't make a workshop or the time doesn't work for them or they're in a different time zone. So I want you to know that this page can be a resource for you so that as you're out there and you have questions about different things, or you have maybe a half an hour or 45 minutes that you wanna to devote to your continuing education as a teacher, you can just go to my website, pull up this recorded workshops page, and there will be resources there for you to take a look at. And all of the workshops that I share are all designed at number one, giving you information, and number two, giving you the skills that come from getting that information. It doesn't do you any good if I'm just giving you information on anatomy. If I don't show you how you can use it in your teaching to grow as a teacher, to grow your impact, 
then it's really not very useful. So all my workshops will have that dual focus, sharing a little bit and then showing you how to apply it. So I hope you'll check that out. If you have any questions or feedback, definitely let me know. Just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And I look forward to hearing from you. Namaste.